Welcome to the podcast with your host, Lauren. <coughs> oh, sorry, <coughs> something in my throat. <coughs> oh, that's better. Yes, welcome to my podcast, Walk with Lawrence, the podcast where I walk and talk with some wonderful human beings. Some of them will be my friends. Some of them will be people I've just met. Either way, it's going to be a scrumptiously delightful conversation that I hope you get a lot from. I hope you have some laughs. I hope you have some tears. A whole range of emotions. Either way, I hope you enjoy it. And I love you very much. And thank you very much. Here's the podcast. So see that bit that you just said to me about walking and because I I was just saying how it's one of a lot of the biggest life decisions I've made have been made whilst walking and talking with people. Mm -hmm. And I find that walking evokes deeper conversation than just sitting down opposite someone in the studio, which is why this podcast is all about walking and talking with people. Yeah, yeah. And then, what, what did you just tell me about Montgomery? Yeah, so someone, I remember the documentary about it. Yeah, General Montgomery, when uh, when he took over in North Africa in the Second World War, and he um, he came up with his his plan to defeat Rommel by, by basically, outside his headquarters, was pacing back and forth, and one of his officers described it as, as like a chicken with its head bowed, sort of going back and forth, waiting to lay an egg, and then, you know, he just had that eureka moment and then went, aha, I got it. He laid that egg. He laid that egg. Rommel. The, the beginning, the beginning of the end. Well, damn right. As the Allied forces backed up against the wall, we hadn't really won anything. It looked like the end was inevitable and that hmm. helped to. And it all started from Monty taking a stroll. Taking a stroll, pacing back and forth. Yeah. Lovely. Perfect. Well, exactly. here we are taking a stroll. Yeah. And well approaching a subject which many would deem a morbid subject by definition some people would say it's a taboo subject but i think actually confronting this topic is a big key to unlock life and life experience and to live a fuller life i wrote this down this morning and tell me what you think Hmm. in order to fully live we must recognize our mortality this means acknowledging death it will find us all at some point in time. Just as at this current point of time, we are walking freely in this field with the breeze on our faces, so too there will be a time when the air leaves our lungs and we exist no more. To acknowledge death is to grasp life. You like that? Fantastic. Thank Love you. it. Thank you very much. I, so, I, want, I want one you had for breakfast. Well, yes. <laughs> Beans on toast with a fried egg on top. Oh, my favourite since I was five years old. Okay, so my introduction to my guest today is quite simple. I'm having a walk with ultra-endurance athlete, war veteran, cancer survivor, father of two, and my brother, Alex Price. Um, I call him Aga because when I was a child, a baby, I couldn't pronounce Alex. And so I said Aga, and it kind of stuck ever since then. Everyone calls you Aga ever since. Do you mind that? Not at all, no. Quite a cool nickname. Yeah. Quite unique. Yeah. A few people still call me that, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, you, you've got to be careful what you call your kids when they're little or what you allow your kids to call their brothers and sisters because it will stick. It'll yeah. stick for life. And, and we are going to be talking about life, but in order to do so fully, we will be discussing death. So, Aga, when you first thought you might die because of the situation, what was happening? I think it was in Iraq in 2007, and I was lying 
face down on the ground, waiting for a rocket to come in and land somewhere around me in Basra Palace. And I honestly thought, I've got a few more seconds, I'm going to die. So you can imagine quite a lot of thoughts fly through your head at that point. You could hear the rocket whooshing through the ground. And I was thinking, oh God, where's it going to land? Where's it going to land? This is it. And it's strange. I think one of the, one, one of the, one of the main thoughts that went through my head was, I haven't had any children yet, <laughs> which I think is quite a, probably a very natural, biological, instinctive thought to have. And so that then triggered really a shagathon. <laughs> like, I wish it this. had. When I get back to Blighty, I'm unleashing it. <laughs> I wish it had. Um, yeah, exactly. And thankfully, so yeah, I was determined from that point onwards to, you know, to find a mate and have Pro- children. Procreate. Procreate, yeah, exactly. So straight back home, straight back onto <laughs> Tinder. Onto Tinder, which didn't exist in those days. <laughs> but yeah, in about, yeah, within the next 12 months, I had found my future wife, basically. It's funny how it focuses the mind, these sorts of things. But um, death focuses the mind. Absolutely. Upon the loins. But, you know, our basic needs come to the surface when death stares us in the face. Yeah. And coming back, you know, as you said, morbid topic on the face of it, but actually, you know, these these good things come out of it. Yeah, well, I love that. We're going to come back to that in a second. Yeah. The second time you stared potential death in the face, what was the situation? You know, so on that tour, there were multiple moments. So if we sort of just, you know, move that to one side, it was probably out in the mountains, in the Alps, when I was doing something called the Oat Route, the High Route. So it's um, ski mountaineering from Chamonix so the ma- to the major mountains, so from Mont Blanc to the Matterhorn. And um, there was certainly one or two moments there where I thought, I'm going to fall off this cliff or I'm going to be caught in an avalanche any moment. And that focuses the mind. I think what... And you thought, so I've got to go make some more children. <laughs> yeah. I haven't made enough children yet. And ironically, yeah, it's made me go out to the mountains more. But Take back to the wife. Right, we've got yeah, to make exactly. more kids. Let's, let's do this. Let's do baby making. Um, and no, okay. but, uh, but that, I, that, that, that was a funny situation. So you're out doing something you absolutely love and adore. And yet there's that sort of pleasure pain or that sort of, you know, ecstasy, peril combination in, in exactly the same moment. So I'm asking these questions not to try and glorify death in any shape or form, of yeah. course, but I'm just interested in what is the, the mental reaction to being in these situations where you're on the cusp of vulnerability between life and death. And yeah. I'd like to fast forward to another occasion where perhaps um, we'd laid the cards on the table and death was definitely very much mm. on the table at the time when you were diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. I mean, um, a different kind of feeling, um, a, a different situation, I would imagine. Did it invoke a different sense, a different feeling of your mortality? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd already, you know, as I said, that experienced it in Basra and so on in my, uh, in my mid-20s then. That made me, you know, there are moments like that where you suddenly realise your mortality. You know, people, people talk about people in their, tw- in their 20s and then they do tend to feel immortal. And slowly, bit by bit, that sense of immortality that I had, you know, was was chipped away at. And something like being diagnosed with cancer absolutely brings that crashing home. For me personally, it was quite a quick turnaround from being diagnosed. It was literally three days from 
from being diagnosed to having an operation to remove it. So there was a lot to take in. Um, and I, I guess I was, ta- I was still taking all in when I was lying in, in hospital recovering before I was released. And you came and visited me and, you know, you saw all of that. And, you know, there's some, there are some dark moments, uh, dark thoughts that go through your heads and it doesn't help when you're high on morphine, <laughs> your head's spinning with all of that going through your system. And yeah, it's a, a, probably a longer, a longer process to mentally digest and to reflect upon. Yeah. And I yeah. did visit you and uh, you, you, I think you identified that at the time, said that you'd have to go away and, and think deeply upon recent events and to mm. mentally digest it you know, and to yeah. deliberately do so as well to, to get your head around the whole scenario, what had happened and how you wanted to take life forward from that point. Yeah, definitely. And, and not sort of, and not necessarily going into too much detail on all that for people, but to try and sort of drive the, the main points. So I guess in many ways, a similar reaction to, you know, <clears throat> lying, lying face down in Basra. You think, oh, crikey, I haven't done all these things in life. Um, I feel cheated. This, this, this bloody cancer is going to cheat me out of all these different goals I had in life. And... You felt angry, didn't you? Yeah, Actually, yeah. You do. You feel slightly, you think, this is taken away from me. I've still got, you know, the prime years of my life ahead of me. You kind of uh, bloody made those kids. You want to kind of yeah, exactly. Enjoy time. You've got children, so so you do. You do feel cross, and, and actually, it gives you a new determination. And you know, out of that has come all sorts of of new goals for me. So yeah, you know, you talked about the ultra ultra marathon event, the Dragon's Back, which I recently did, and and also came up with the concept of doing some sort of world first. So I'm I'm now looking at traversing the Pyrenees, you know, solo unsupported. So Which is things like these, that, that. But these are thoughts that have been, or, and urges that have been in your mind for some time. But mm. it's interesting, it only took a year, exactly a year after you being in the hospital bed, having had half your liver and this cancer, the size of grapefruit removed. Yes. And within a year, you were doing 40 miles a day for five days off road through mm. mountainous terrain in one of the what's considered one of the world's hardest mountaineering races. Mm. You're already well under the way of executing your plans to form a world first. Mm. And these things that have been sitting on the shelf for, 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 you know, for a little while, but I suppose now you've got a real, certainly my experience would be, you know, you've always had a zest for life. You've always had get up and go. Mm. You've never mm. been, you know, you've lived a full life, you have. But um, you now are living with a smile on your face, a strut in your step, and you're putting things into action really, really fast. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, I've definitely had a lot of these goals and, and, and had this drive. Yeah, these sorts of things make you realise that life isn't about just sitting behind a, a computer at a desk. You know, it, it snaps you out of that and you realise, you know, let's just get out there and let's, let's do something. You know, life is for living and, and you can be caught in a bit of a malaise sometimes. Yes, so, yeah. a malaise. Yeah, you know. Good word. Yeah, and you do. You can get stuck in a bit of a rut, and you can. Yeah, you you can get caught caught by the whole routine of everything, and and just get yeah just stuck in that thing. Oh, you know, you get comfortable, and it's not that necessarily forcing yourself to be out of your comfort zone to your safety, but it's about yeah realizing, as you say, you know, we you know we're here for only a set set amount of time. I'm here for a good time, not a long time, time. a long time. (laughs) <laughs> well, that was, that was going to be my next question to you. So, um, you know, you've, you've got this spark, you've got this, this zest for life and, you know, you're great company, you, you, you're out there actioning things. And it is amazing to see. 
particularly having you know seen how close you've come to you know to, to it not being quite so but yeah. how do you spark that zest for life without having to come so close to experiencing death and <laughs> i mean you know a lot of us get comfortable with our kind of lifestyles and our jobs and whatever it might be yeah and we, we you know we all know we get told how oh, the you know the people things sitting their desk mm-hmm. um their deathbed and regret mostly is not is, is you no know, spending too hard trying to i don't know court, climb that corporate ladder yeah. not spending enough time with their loved ones not enough time mm-hmm. doing things that they want to do. how do you create that spark in your life without having to yeah. death in the face yeah and, and you can actually do it without having to go through <laughs> these near-death experiences um yeah, so I guess a few mantras I live by. Uh, how do you want to be remembered? Um, what sort of what sort of tales will you be able to tell your grandchildren? Will you be able to tell them, oh, I, I climbed the greasy pole and I, I got to a really senior position in my company. Is that really going to pique the interest of your of your grandchildren? Or or would you rather tell some interesting tales? Yes, yeah, you I, know. I often think um, I often think sometimes, you know, one of my visual mental mm. exercises is to read my obituary in the newspaper yeah and yeah. to think how do i want it to read what do i want to say and this isn't to try and live a life that's trying to impress other people i mean a lot of the a lot of the details in there may be that he, he loved his family supported his family he, he you know yeah. yeah the day-to-day is sort of um less glamorous detail but i think it's yeah. quite a useful tool isn't it because yeah definitely you no know, inevitably we're all going to have that post um you know we're all going to die at some point. Mm. It's going to happen. It's a taboo subject. We don't talk about it. We don't look at it. So I think a great tool to living a fuller life is to recognise your mortality, to have mantras like that, and to have almost a mental practice that recognises that you are temporary and that we are all temporary, and to look around you mindfully at the world, to see structures, to see mountains, to see nature, and to see the universe and realise how small, tiny, insignificant and temporary we are. Yeah. And therefore, if you have a life that you want to live, start today don't start tomorrow because if, if you've seen yourself it can be taken away very, very mm. quickly you are fragile we we, yeah. we know all this stuff but it sometimes takes a while to get us into a mental state of mind in which we actually truly believe it and therefore action it yeah. and from what you've been through and from what i've seen you that go through i feel that you know i personally have never felt more um alive i've never i've never felt that that is mm. Yeah, it's such a true statement that actually we are temporary and that um, you know, there is, mm. um, there is a fine life to be like a death sometimes and you have to live it. And, uh, it's, it yeah. is liberating. It sets you free when you, when you consider mortality, when you consider death uh, in order to live. It does set you free. And it also puts yeah. things into, into perspective. You know, the things that we get stressed about because a certain uh, project at work isn't quite going to plan or whatever it might be or mm. the little mm. daily mundane details that frustrate us you quite quickly develop the mindset of sod it and, and you know, I'm looking at my life and looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, and it's easy for me to, you know, to say, oh, yeah, just, you know, just raise your sights a bit. If, as you say, if you're getting bogged down at work and you're trying to deliver that project or that briefing to your boss or whatever it is, oh, yeah, just lift your sights. You know, because that is your livelihood. You know, you want to keep that job. You want to be well, you know, and you want to continue to support your family. So, yes, you can be, you can easily get sucked into those the key is not to be reckless it's to live your yeah. life but not to be reckless and to live your life with respect those are the two ways yeah. i thinking yeah definitely so so that's yeah so links to what i said about what you want to tell your grandchildren is legacy you know so what's the legacy you want to leave behind how do you want to be remembered and also the way the way i like to live my life is it you know i i like to do it in, in a positive way so that it 
it, it might inspire others to live in a in a positive way as well, you know, positively influencing other people. I, I guess in the military or the army, we talk about transformational leadership. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's another way I like to lead What's my life. transformational? Well, you know, the way you, you live and the way you come across transforms the way other people live. So lead by doing, by example. Yeah, lead by example, exactly. Um, you know, yeah, lead by example, rather than people who, set, who say, do as I say, not as I do, it's do as I do. Actions define our character after all, which is my favorite mm. saying. Yes, absolutely. And so legacy, I think, is really important. And and as you say, coming back to getting perspective on your own life, you know, I'm a I'm a scientist as well, so I, I did um I, I did biochemistry. Yeah. Academic. But that's that sort of that's very much brains as well as well. my um that's the prime sure about that, but uh, you know, so I studied things like physics, um understand our place in the world in in terms of the you know the deep time of of the planet and universe and you know as i said i love mountaineering like you know go out to the alps and look up and, and you think you know how old these mountains we're just a speck of time in the grand scheme of things and physically as well we're just a speck compared to those mountains and that that puts your existence in perspective and you think right you know let's 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 just try and do something positive and good and you know meaningful in this time that we had, and, and that sort of puts it all in place and perspective really. I think so, the ancient yeah. um, so there's a lot of ancient Chinese art that um, looks to nature hmm. or to inspire this whole um, philosophy and approach to life. And a lot of the artwork that came out was it was scenic landscapes, but it was all about more than just the beauty of the landscape itself. It was about our place in nature, the universe, and the world, and yeah. Um, putting into context, yeah, yeah. Well, I had a, I had a, you get, I had a, one of those very difficult questions from my six-year-old daughter the other day, um, and she said, "How was the universe formed? Um, you know, where did it come from?" <laughs> and this one, and you're like, basically, um, ask uh, your mother. The Big Bang. Uh, how do I explain <laughs> this? But it, you know, again, I, I, yeah, they, they say, as it well, as the saying goes, if you, you only. You only truly know something if you can explain it to a five-year-old. But um, yeah. I, I still struggle to explain it to her. But yeah, again, that that question—it just is very revealing because you know, yeah, how 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 old is the universe? You know, where did it come from? Came from the Big Bang. What was before the Big Bang? Mm-hmm. Again, you know, all these huge questions. But all that stuff gets me thinking and gets me thinking about our place in, in the world and the universe and and just you know. I suddenly get a, I guess, a sort of a real hurry up moment. I think, quite oh, right, let's just, yeah. let's just get on with stuff in life. Let's yeah. just do, yeah. let's just do some good things and some positive things. Um, yeah. So, so a lot of that is, you know, an insight into my, my psyche, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we get, obviously it's a topic you can get very deep on and whether you're mm-hmm. religious or non-religious, yeah, if you're exactly. religious, you believe in, yeah. you know, the afterlife, let's say. Yeah. Does that somehow dilute that sense of urgency? If you kind of think I have a utopia or a heaven or whatever it might be according to religion waiting for me on the other side. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, um, if you don't believe in that, and if you're an atheist and you, and you, and you're, or a humanist and you see this is yeah. like one shot for one life, does that mean that you live like a different? I don't know. But, um, I don't know who I am anymore when it comes to religion. I was brought up, um, you know, in a, in a, in a Christian household, Church of England, and a lot of those teachings and morals have stayed with me. But I'm quite a spiritual, um, guy as well. And yeah, I mean, but for me, trying to understand my own mortality at the moment, and 
then is there anything after it? You know, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to sound too depressing, but I'm not confident there is. And so I'm sort of thinking that, yeah, come on. So let's get this uh, show on the road. That's, uh, that's a, a huge subject in itself. So yes, let's not um, go there. So we should probably <laughs> let's leave that, leave that sort of firm mark that to one side. But, um, yeah. but I think linked to that, you, as you said, you know, a lot of people modern day struggle struggle with whether they're religious or not uh, and uh, their place in the world, what they're good at, are they good at anything? And I think it comes on to another mantra of mine, which is be yourself well. So everybody has strengths. Everybody is good at something and they are, you know, they are inclined towards certain So they might be, you know, very, very good listeners. They might be very outgoing and talkative. They might be very physically active and energetic. Just depending on who you are, you know, everyone's different. And I mean, I'm lucky. I, I'm good at many things. Well, which is I didn't want to say. <laughs> yeah. Which, which direction do you turn? Then? People find it hard <laughs> to label me. They're like, "How yeah. can you be so good at so many things?" I say, "It's a strength, but it's a curse at the same time." Because exactly. I'm being pulled in so many different directions. <laughs> well, if only, if only yeah. I was like you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I think, yeah, you know, work out who you are, and and then focus on on being yourself the best possible the best possible you you can be mm. so you know me for example i'm not who you think you should be and not what? not searching for external validation you know, nature versus thinking. nurture you know a lot of people i think try to force changes upon themselves and ultimately you know it's, it's very hard to fight nature you know the way you are the way you're you know, what if, you're born and so on what if by nature you're an absolute asshole then you bug <laughs> maybe then you need to try and force some changes but um there's an interesting one that nature nurture isn't yeah. it as well don't get um, me wrong you know there is absolutely a, you know there are there are some nurture you know sort of uh, impacts you can have you know well, impact i think um that whole theme of self-management you need to understand yourself to understand your um you know your strengths and weaknesses to understand mm -hmm. your your mental inclinations and in order to sort of work on the, the, the areas that you need to improve on, you know, yeah. um, uh, sort of mental training as well as physical training. You know, we all know that to get stronger physically, we need to get weights and work in our body physically. But if we have weaknesses mentally, which I know I've got a whole load of and I've looked into, then I know yeah, I need yeah. to work on them. So one of the things I know about myself, for instance, going slightly off on the tangent, um, is that I'm an idealist. Um, having done yeah. another test points out, which sounds really positive, but actually it means I get hit quite hard when things aren't ideal. Yeah, yeah. And so I have to work hard at being um, approaching things with a bit more realism, not pessimism, just a bit more realism, and to almost use a stoic approach to see my passions uh, level, uh, so that yeah. I don't get too frustrated and angry when um, things don't happen ideally in an ideal situation. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so from that point of view, I've, I've moved away from my natural disposition and I've nurtured. Um, a sort of new uh, um, version of myself over the last five years or so. And uh, we're all in this kind of journey growing organically, but it's to have recognition of your, your true self is what you're saying, I guess, and who you are and to stay true to that and not to rub it out and to get too uh, identified purely by, I don't know, your job or, uh, you know, yeah. what, you know other, other labels that get put upon us to sort of to leave a, a certain portion of your true self free to, to live it's like yeah definitely and and how do you work out who you are i mean i'm not saying put yourself you know, like i was in those in those 
near-death experiences in this uh, situation. But typically, oh, if we, oh, right, I'm going to go and do a marathon or, or you know, I'm going to go and do a go eight or you know, whatever it is. Go eight, something in it. Discover who you are doing go eight midway down a, a zip line. Zip line. Exactly. I think it's a fantastic idea. It doesn't matter what it is. (laughs) All these things, you know, so, for example, I know that I'm I'm a night night owl. I'm not necessarily a morning person. So it's weird how my brain just becomes becomes alive about nine at night. So if I want to be creative, I will target those. Well, yeah, well, and the rest. You know, it's like Winston Churchill. (laughs) (laughs) all through the day and yeah you know so i know i'm like that so i'll target that time of day to try and be creative um, and come up with new ideas and concepts you know it's just stuff like that really and i guess it just takes time and you know different experiences in life so i'm going to start throwing a few questions now so i'm going to start with tangible it's all good it's all good and this kind of in line some of the stuff we'll be talking about but how do you think we are intended to live Um, and does the modern western world reflect this and this is linking into, I know your inclinations as mm. an individual who likes to get off into the mountains and into mm. nature and test themselves and so on. We're yeah. Of yeah. Wales, it's not blood, you know, nature and nurture. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we hear uh, growing um, statistics about mental health, um, yeah. people struggling to feel satisfied or comfortable mm. and happy where they are and fulfilled with their lives. I mean, is this because we are in some way not letting our lives play out the way that nature god again whatever your disposition yep, yep. intended i, I mm-hmm. don't know in big question now isn't it <laughs> i can't say yes <laughs> yes next question yeah i do and i think it's i think it's very important we try and to stay close to our roots and you know, as human beings and continue to to nurture and and, and promote that. So yeah, you know, like us walking out in nature, there's a risk that we are becoming an indoor species, which is not how, you know, we, as you say, are intended to exist. So we're almost depriving ourselves of, I think, and this is my opinion, um, depriving ourselves of, you know, the true, ex- our natural experiences. Damn right. I mean, this yeah. is a massive factor to doing this podcast is mm-hmm. because I wanted to, I didn't want to do it sat in four walls in a studio. Yeah, the sound quality is better doing it that way. But yeah. I wanted to be out like this. You know, we're yeah. walking under the tree canopy, raindrops yeah. around us, green. As I talk to you, I'm looking at loads of different shapes which nature is throwing at me. And I think it's stimulating me and the conversation yeah. and making me feel better than four white walls would. Yeah, exactly. And we, other things, you know, now through through the information age, um, we're we're communicating with each other in ways we've never have done. We've never never done through um, through our existence or evolution. So yeah, we're doing stuff that's unnatural that we haven't haven't done before. That's you know face to face. So for example, we are you know I truly believe we're we're pack animals. You know I've I've gone out what and animals pack animals. Uh, yeah. So I've li- you know I've gone out and lived in the wild for a few days and. Yeah, I, I can do it. I'm self-sufficient, but I didn't like it. And I, I felt pretty almost Lonely. paranoid. And yeah, I was, I was pretty keen to get back to, to seeing other people. Um, so yeah, you know, being amongst people, communicating with them properly, naturally. I've got, a, as a, I'm sure you have, Florence, you've got, you've got quite a few friends who have, who have extracted themselves from social media and from yeah. technology to try and yeah. get back to those natural ways, really. And so they, they say they're very happy. 
And it doesn't have to be extreme. You don't have to completely cut yourself away from technology. But, well, uh, um, you know, it's just a healthy balance. Noah Yuval Narari, Nahari, I can never say his name. Easy for you to say. <laughs> author, author of Sapiens, you know, he says that power today um, is knowing what to ignore in this kind of mass information. Yeah. Economy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, and daily challenge. And clarity is power because it's so hard to have clarity nowadays because we've bombarded information. So, um, yeah, all yeah. four being selective um, to mm-hmm. what you allow yourself to mentally digest. Yeah. Um, and, and cutting down and being more decisive on, uh, more uh, thoughtful on what media you watch, social media or television, whatever. I think yeah. it's a big yeah. part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just other other things. So I remember hearing a doctor on the radio a couple of years ago and his, he was giving health advice and he said, you know, we can be quite bad nowadays for sort of quickly gobbling our foods at our desks, you know, our desco, uh, or, um, or in the evenings when we get home. And, and he said, you know, some of the healthiest civilizations and societies in the world, they, they sit down with friends or family, they take their time over a meal, you know, the stress levels are lower, everything, you know, they eat, they consume their foods at a decent rate, you know, all of that. So it's, he said it's not, there's no sort of quick, immediate fix like a pill, to, to improve your life but it's these simple things to integrate into your life and again it's easier said than done but Definitely. if you can really try I, you know I don't always manage it but uh, yeah if you can try and but incorporate yourself there's your a life. visual reaction as well to that just going to that one point of eating food at your desk if you're yeah. eating your food but you're staring at a computer screen you're mm-hmm. apparently not going to produce such good digestive enzymes because you need to view the food. You, when you look at it it's with your eyeballs and you see it and then you eat it and then yeah. you yeah. masticate, it, it creates... Oh, yeah. Oops, was that the right word? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you uh, end up producing the digestive enzymes that are required to get the most out of yeah. food. Whereas yeah. if you're doing it whilst, you know, hurriedly looking at your phone or your mm-hmm. computer screen, it's, it's not going to be a natural experience of the way it's intended. And it's just a, yeah. another, as you say, small example of us moving away from the origins of how we should be living or yeah. of life due, due to modern world. So I think it fits in perfectly with, with the question. Yeah. And these aren't necessarily, you know, reflections on, on death, but these are reflections on, on life. And I think yeah. that it's all relevant to the conversation. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're still working it all out. And yeah, as you know, as we go through, you know, the information age and, and these new technologies come out, we're still, as I said, working out how to manage information, the fast swathes and the thrownness on a daily basis. Yeah, it's, it's and that's the thing. Very we, much working for We want to be forward thinkers, and yeah. we want to be savvy to the direction in which the world is going, mm-hmm. and we want our children to be savvy to it. We don't want to completely deprive them of um, screen time, but sometimes we need to manage it in order for them to deliver the, the full life experience, as you say. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's been a lovely conversation. Are there any other thoughts you want to leave us here about death and how all pathetic we are? To put you on the spot. <laughs> I, I, again, just coming back to, you know, I... In the army, I'm not going to labour the point, but I, I, I've had, you know, friends and colleagues who have died. And, but it, but it, out of that, you know, and it is very sad and harrowing, but at the same time, you come out of it and you think, you know, I'm walking now, you know, as we are, through a beautiful field and trees and so on. I'm thinking, they're not here to enjoy this, but I am. Mm. I'm going to make the most of it. And, and, and you know, and, and, it, and it forces you, inspires you to, to enjoy this life, enjoy this world even more. Yes. on their behalf and yeah you know so absolutely again trying to 
I'm just trying to come up with something positive. No, I love inspirational, that. But that is genuinely something I felt. As, uh, that's the conversation I had, yeah. sadly, with friends. You, mm. you, you mm. can never get your head around when someone when someone dies, especially if they die early. It's such mm. a tragic sad yeah. occasion. And the exactly. only positive that you can really draw from it to, uh, in their honour is to live mm. your life fuller to yeah. the whole. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, the, in their honour, because not everyone has that privilege of living mm. for mm. another year, for another year. So... You know, people sometimes mm-hmm. get sad about their birthday saying, oh, I'm getting old, I don't want to celebrate it. Yeah. It's a privilege deprived of so many. Absolutely, absolutely. And you think, what's going on in the world now? And, you know, whatever it is, um, if it's war, if it's um, natural disaster and so on, you know, make the most of, of the uh, fortunate life we have. Because we're listening to this and they're stuck in an office block. Free yourselves of the shackles of your work shoes mm. with bare feet, run out the front door, find some grass, walk on it. Breathe in the air deep into your lungs. Look up at the sky. Exhale and think, my God, it's good to be alive. Because it is. It really is. It really is. Okay, this is the outro. The podcast is now finished. But don't hang up the phone yet. I mean, turn off the phone. I mean, turn off the podcast. Because I have one more favour to ask you. If you liked the podcast, which presumably, if you got this far, you did, I did something right, please subscribe. Please leave a review. And most importantly, please tell all of your friends because it's just going to be so embarrassing if no one listens to this. I need you on my side to push this out into the world wide web. Please, please help. Please tell everybody, please. And thank you so much. Write a review. Have you done it yet? Have you written that review? See you next time. Bye. Have you written the review yet? Yeah.